This is an Iris Interviews podcast. Welcome to Accounted For. My name's Paul Onions and I've been working with Iris for almost 25 years. I'm joined today by Jonathan Priestley. Hey Paul. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about data and why it's so important. So when I was back in practice, you know, going back over 25 years, even back then data was absolutely critical for everything that we were doing. The key difference being that we stored everything in sort of paper documents. So desktop software must have been like literally a revelation for you guys when that happened. Yeah, 100%. We were using, you know, Windows 3.1 and, you know, that was the first time you could have multiple applications open in the same screen and there was a time when you like scroll up and down a tax return and it all blur together because it couldn't cope with the processing of the, of the forms that HMRC were producing at the time. It was, you know, it was really different back then. But a lot of those challenges, whilst, you know, they manifest themselves in a different way, still exist today. And in fact, you probably have even more data available today. Um, but rather than it all being in a physical file, it's dispersed across multiple different applications. So it's still really hard to get a good view of it. Yeah, and I, I definitely think we're seeing more of that. And <clears throat> it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're having this discussion today about like the next battleground. Actually, data's been a battleground for a really, really long time, as you just pointed out. But as we see more and more customers move their uh, software to the cloud and their data to the cloud, increasingly we're seeing this, what I would call a patchwork of applications or the patchwork problem. So we have lots of small applications with pieces of data in. So it is literally just like, a, like back in your old filing cabinet days, it's just those filing cabinets happen to be in the cloud on different servers, but the problem is still the same. If we want to try and get any real value out of this data, we somehow got to figure out how we can get it all into one place so that we can correlate it and start to analyze it, because at that point we can unlock some value. And that's why I think that's the next battleground. That's where everybody needs to try and get to to see some value for their own business as well as the businesses that they're supporting as accountants. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And that's, it's really interesting if you look around different industries today, a lot of the software providers in those industries are, are moving away from talking about applications uh, and moving towards the topic of, of platforms and how they're building a platform upon which those different applications can sit so they've got a solid foundation of you know for that effectively that consolidated data layer that they can pull and source all of that information and, and put it all together in that single spot yeah no, i completely agree i think the advent i think probably one of the most exciting things that's happening in the in this space at the moment is the fact that some of the software vendors are starting to think about how do you actually create a platform of applications or modules and then the transference that takes as it goes into being a framework because at that point not only do I have a core set of data that represents the information that I have about my own business uh, but it gives me the opportunity to bring in other applications to act upon that data as well at which point you get this effect of being able to generate a significant amount of value. So let's talk about that a bit. Let's talk about what happens when you get a platform and you get all your data into one place. How do I start to unlock the value from that? From your perspective as a former accountant in practice, what's exciting about that for you? There's a a couple of different ways that it interests me because 
having the data there uh, across multiple, I know, uh, services that I'm providing for the client, so maybe the accounts, maybe the tax, maybe the payroll, whatever it may be, uh, and being able to really create much more holistic views of the business performance because you're pooling together all of the different uh, tasks and topics that you're working on for them to get a, a broader understanding. Um, but also as I'm doing that for, for clients, um, I'm able to, if I'm using sort of a, a more task or workflow capability within that same platform, I can get a much better understanding of which of those clients are actually beneficial for me to be working for because I can understand my own performance that I'm getting out of those clients. So are they profitable? If they are profitable, which pieces of work that I'm doing for them are most profitable? Which members of staff within my practice uh, am I getting the best value from and why so that I can help uh, nurture, encourage and develop my other members of staff to be just as good as, as those that are, are more profitable today. So there's really two different dimensions to this, isn't there, once we get all the data into one place. There's the information about the practice or the accounting office and how that's actually functioning as a business in its own right. Uh, but then also what I would refer to as more like the insights that you can get on the clients that uh, that office is serving. So if we think about the first part of that question, um, looking at what information we can actually get out of the practice, I still find when I talk to customers today, uh, the vast majority of them are still um, looking at their business in the rearview mirror. So then at the end of a month or the end of a period, they look back and go, okay, how did we do? How did we do against what our expectations were based on the pricing that we set with our clients and uh, the expectation of the services we were going to deliver? And quite often there's some very nasty surprises in there because of how long a particular piece of work has taken or some of the challenges they had in getting the information from the client at the right time. Always a challenge for the accountant, obviously. So what's your, what's your perspective on that as a, as a former accountant? If we can get the real insights into how a business is actually running, what difference does that make to how you would actually run as an accountant, do you think? Well, I think the closer you can get to real-time knowledge of how you're actually performing uh, and ideally proactive notifications from the platform that you're using of, of areas where you're perhaps falling behind your the budgets that you'd set or the, the timelines for getting the information from a client because you're absolutely right that is today still one of the biggest challenges that accountants are facing is how can I get the information from the clients which is going to become increasingly difficult when your um, clients are falling under the making tax digital regime and suddenly you've got to do it you know four times a year uh, filings um, you know on a quarterly basis as a minimum plus your end of year piece and, and then the rest of the, your sources of income, so six filings rather than just the one, the timing of those things is really important. So having the data that can proactively prompt you, this is what you need to do today, this week, next week, rather than getting to the end of the month and thinking, ah, 
I didn't do X, Y, and Z, I think it's going to be really important. I was wondering how long it would take us to bring up NTD. Uh, <laughs> any, any chat about accounting today pretty much needs to reference NTD at some point, but you raise a really good point. And I think this comes back to this concept of being able to, to look at things more in real time. We, we've been talking about real time in the technology space for, uh, for a couple of decades now, and we've tended to think about it in terms of transactional processing. But actually, in the context there that we're talking about, it's because we've got all the data in one place and we can look at it in real time that we can actually analyze in real time what's happening. So suddenly, to your point, an accountant can suddenly can get an alert that says, hey, you know, you're actually getting close. So the, this is the most important aspect of this for me and partly the most exciting bit of having the analysis running is that we're not just telling you that you've already had a problem. We've got the opportunity here to really be a little bit more intelligent. We'll come back and leverage that word quite a bit more, I'm sure. But a little bit more intelligent and say, you're getting close to being in a situation where you're going to lose money on this particular piece of work if you don't do something different. So that kind of real-time alerting mechanism, to me, that's one of the most exciting aspects of having consolidated data. 100%. And actually, you know, that ties in really well with the whole topic of advisory, which, you know, everyone's banging on about all the time. It's that second part, isn't it? Because we were talking about the benefit to the practice. Now, if we take that same data set, that same consolidated data set and flip it the other way and start talking about the client, that's when you get those insights, isn't it, into the client? A absolutely. I mean, I can remember probably early 2000s, you know, when, when I was working with PTP software, you know, joined the Irish family back in 2006. Uh, and even back then we were trying to work on uh, advisory tools, things that the accountant could use uh, to help their clients um, be more profitable, um, you know, should they have a company car versus putting it through the business. Um, you know, when shall I dispose of an asset, and, and what reliefs can I get on the on the disposal to, you know, minimise my capital gains liability? All of that kind of planning work and advisory has been topical for as long as I can remember. But having that real time data on the performance of your clients through the digital record keeping that's you know growing in popularity you know every day and we'll do more so again with MTD means that you you're not like you said you're not looking in the rear view mirror anymore you know you're looking through the windshield seeing what's coming what's next am I going to have a cash flow problem with this business over the next couple of months and if so what can I do to you know get financing things like that let's let's spend a couple of minutes on MTD because uh, I think this is probably, whilst it's quite a complex um, set of shifts for uh, software vendors in terms of the uh, changes we're having to make in order to allow people to do that filing on a quarterly basis, the real impact from, from what I can see for accountants and talking to customers is, that, is the sheer amount of extra time they're going to have to put in to the administration side of an individual client. So. You know, today it takes me X amount of time to service a client post MTD. It's going to take considerably more time. So actually, this idea we're discussing of real-time insights into how what it's costing you to deliver the service is going to become super important, isn't it, in that environment? Well, it's kind of the only way you can get any kind of benefit out of the additional work that you're going to be doing because 
I mean, the reality of it is you're, what, what you're processing, the data you're processing, is no different to, it, to, to what you're dealing with today. You're just having to do it more often. And so again, the, you know, data being the battleground, you've got at least four times, five times as much data that you're having to process. And you're having to do that four or five, six times more often than you were having to do previously. So it is all about that data and the time that it takes to do it. So unless you can actually derive some benefit and some value out of that data, it's sunk cost. You know, it's just a time drain. So let's talk about, to me, one of the probably the most uh, anticipated shifts in the, the way we handle data is the advent of intelligence. Because we talk a lot about um, integration, particularly, you know, uh, we both work for a software vendor, right? So we spend an awful lot of time kind of worrying about how do we integrate pieces of technology together. And in my mind, there are kind of three levels of integration. At the very basic level, you've got you know what could be considered um, an API call, an application programming interface, where I simply call another application, and sometimes I can pass some pieces of data across. You know, the second level of integration for me is like a genuine data integration, where we can look at the same pieces of information, and then the last one is where we get into kind of workflow. And once you get into workflow. Um, you get to you get to tap on the door of that most exciting part of this whole thing, which is intelligent automation. So let's talk a bit about you know I'm sure uh, you know there's lots of discussion in in every tech market at the moment about uh, these sort of phrases RPA robotic process automation, um, ML machine learning, AI artificial intelligence. That has to be surely. Uh, the holy grail of what can we do with data in the next uh, generation of software programming in this space, or is it? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I read an article somewhere, in fact, I think you recommended it um, not long after you first joined Iris, where it was talking about the, the number or the volume of data points that are required before AI can really get enough learnings to add value. Um, it was somewhere in the region of like 5 million data points or something like that. And I remember us talking back then about how difficult it would be to get that volume of data for most software providers. Um, and, and even for us back then, because you know everything we were doing was predominantly desktop based. So those each, each of our clients' data points were stored in their own environment. So the minute you start putting things into the cloud and you've got those data points shared on a single platform, all of a sudden you can ramp up very quickly to the number of data points that would be necessary to get real valuable learnings from robotic learning or artificial intelligence, whatever it may be. I think it's probably worth us breaking these down a little bit because there's an awful lot of urban myth about these items and particularly you hear people uh, describing um, ML and AI in the same breath and the, there's good reasons for that because you know essentially um, artificial intelligence is a, is a subset or a component of a broader machine learning capability. But let's start at the basic one actually because RPA or robotic process automation 
<clears throat> is something that's really starting to gain ground in the accountancy space. And it's in some respects, I think it's probably one of the first steps that people can take into creating. And I use this term loosely because it has a lot of different types of definitions for different people, but what I would call the start of an expert system, which is you know just the ability to to have the software behave as though it's actually genuinely intelligently responding to a situation. And of course, if we're dealing with a situation which has a very finite number of outcomes, it's possible for us to do that in a relatively constrained way in software without having to incorporate these other forms of specialist technology. But if we just think about RPA, uh, what is RPA actually? It's a, it's a great mechanism for repeating a set of actions over and over again. Now, I'm sure in accountancy, particularly where you've got an awful lot of form filling, that's been the basis of, uh, of our uh, tax system for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, even now today, it's still essentially at the end of the day, a form being filled out. Um, RPA is perfect for that because I can you know, pass in a different set of data points, but the form, which is the most important part, stays the same. So I can repeat that process over and over again. And I'm sure you must have you know, hundreds of examples uh, where the process is just almost completely the same, just a different piece of set of data coming in. Yeah, well, this, this, I mean, one of the things that we've sort of pride, prided ourselves on here is, is the ability to automate processes that we've got even within the desktop software that's been around for, for many years. Things like, for example, when you get a tax return um, approved by a client, um, your practice management job stage being automatically marked as complete. Um, and little things like that. But there are more and more ways where you can automate those processes today. So for example, we have the ability within within all of our tax products from the tax filer all the way up to, to the Iris Accountancy Suite tax products where you can query the digital tax account of your client to automatically populate various fields in a return. So there's nothing to stop you sort of building in robotic processes where, you know, it would automatically do that on a periodic basis based on the knowing from the data that you've got in your practice management system when you've done a quarterly filing, for example, or when the client's done a quarterly filing, if they're doing it directly themselves, then you can go into the digital tax account and pull that information down and update the, the return or update the data source that you've got within within your compliance suite so that you're ready to go at the end of the year for, for the final filing. Now, there'll be many people listening to this podcast remarking about how poor the quality may or may not be in the digital tax account and that they don't want to rely on it. So there's, there are limits to that automation and I think that's where some of the more sophisticated learnings uh, and uh, intelligence can can come to bear because it can sort of spot anomalies in the data perhaps and things like that. Yeah, so I think that, that brings us neatly onto uh, machine learning because um, you know, you made a very good point earlier about the sheer volume of data required for a uh, for a machine learning environment to really uh, get get enough information to accurately identify a, either a pattern or a situation or a um, or a particular data point that you're trying to get to. But one of the most interesting things I've noticed recently um, that uh, some of the uh, technologists are using is 
is something called synthetic algorithms, which is a mechanism uh, that allows us to train a machine learning environment uh, without having to have access to all of that data up front. And this is particularly helpful in environments like the ones we work in because, again, the, uh, the environment's really constrained. There's not, there's not a totally, an enormously wide range of different potential uh, data points. And we can actually uh, tell a synthetic algorithm what kind of patterns we're looking for, uh, train a machine learning algorithm to pick those up, and then we can start to apply some intelligence to the information that we get out. I think it's very early days, there's still, you know, I see lots of organisations just on the very edge of this kind of technology, but it has to be one of the most exciting uh, advancements, I think, because certainly, you know, over the next, well, let's make, a, let's make a prediction, over the next five to ten years, I think we'll see uh, some pretty advanced uh, machine learning being implemented in the accountancy space, particularly around I think basic essay 100, for example, at the very low end of a personal tax return. What do you think about that, Paul? Do you, think, do you buy that? I definitely do. I mean, there's a couple of couple of things on that. Really, you've got I mean, the tax. You made a really good point, right? So, if you're you know if you're an employed person, you know you've got your your RPI on your payroll, so all of that's already with HMRC. You've got to put. You've still got to file that on your on your personal tax return. You know you can you can pull that down. Um, same with you know the bank interests with all the bank feeds that are going on. You can automate a load of uh, you know a load of that data being processed into the systems as well with a quarterly filing that we're talking about for making tax digital the self employment and or property letting income again can be automatically pulled into the system at the end of the year. So there's there's lots of ways where I think there are going to be advancements for that, but that doesn't take away or detract from the human level and the intelligence that a professional accountant needs to bring to the table to make sure that is all filed correctly um, and and the the client's circumstances are optimized for their you know for their best interests so I think that's really interesting though actually talking about the machine learning and uh, particularly in how we can automate things because there's a lot of fear in the industry that you know, machines are going to start taking people's jobs and taking the, the value away from the accountant and what they can deliver to their clients. But I, I kind of see it in the reverse of that because I think what it does is it empowers the accountant to get much richer data um, and to automate some of the pattern matching to allow them to be much more proactive and, and get that whole um, you know virtual CFO and trusted advisor piece takes it to an, to an entirely new level because all of a sudden you're being proactively told for example that the client is approaching the VAT threshold or uh, you know their particular filing for you know the, their payroll which they look after themselves is overdue so you can reach out to them proactively and have a, a meaningful conversation things like that yeah you raise a very good point there I mean even if we just step away a little bit uh, from the uh, roller coaster of artificial intelligence and <clears throat> just think about some of the other things we can do with data because what you're touching on the edge of there is benchmarking and that's another uh, fascinating area that can only ever be achieved once you start to consolidate data from a number of different uh, different dimensions, different sources. 
and particularly what you know, particularly in the accountancy space, just as some examples of what that might look like, is if I'm actually putting together a proposal for a client, um, what if I could actually get some guidance on what a good price would be? Good price in my area, perhaps a good price for that service. Yeah, some some idea of how to get to a very profitable situation with that particular client. What if I could actually get some information about the client up front and actually tell me, hey, this client could be very profitable for you. This is you know before I even engage with the client because I get some kind of profile that could be checked against the benchmark. And you know what about the way clients actually work and the clients' businesses themselves? Because don't forget we have access to an awful lot of information about the individual clients' businesses. So, you know, let's start thinking about uh, sole traders. You know, where do you purchase goods from for uh, for whatever service it is you're providing as a business? And could we supply uh, benchmark information uh, to the accountant to give directly to their client? So benchmarking for me, you know, which sounds like an incredibly sort of mundane data exercise, which it, which it is, but could unlock all sorts of value, couldn't it? Oh, it's fascinating because we actually built, we PTP, built a benchmarking product, um, I think it was around 2000, 2001, and we had real big dreams about how we would be able to do all of the stuff that you just talked about, and it, and it just died a death because we could not get the broad enough um, you know, cross-section of data in order to power it. Um, but all sorts of things come to mind with that because, I mean, you mentioned there, I mean, you could even go into benchmarking um, and looking into the data pools from people's accounting records because it's all being pulled in together to understand how, how quickly they pay their bills, even to know if this client that you're going to take on is, 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 is a good payer, for example. Um, but, yeah, if you, if you could get into a consolidated data platform all of the data for not only your own clients to benchmark your own clients against each other, but an anonymized set of that data for you know all of the accountants that use any of, of our products or any record keeping systems and, and beyond that gets pulled in through Iris. I mean we submit, you know, almost half of all of the tax returns that get submitted to HMRC every single year. So if all of that data was in, in one space, anonymized, the, the richness of that data for you to get a real good idea of how well your clients are performing against others, but not only that, as you've just said, how you're performing as an accountant against other accountancy businesses across the country, and again, which clients are most profitable, profitable which are you know, best payers, which types of work are the ones that, you know, are going to earn you the best, you know, the best money and the best sort of quality clients. And actually it's this sort of, uh, this sort of gnarly ground level kind of data. This is the battleground, isn't it really? That's, that's the, that's the whole point of our discussion here because, because actually, and I think COVID has accelerated this more than perhaps any of us expected. Uh, but over the last couple of years, accountants have gone from being um, a local business servicing local customers to uh, businesses that are competing on a national level uh, because they can now uh, for their clients and for staff, right? So yeah. um, that data battleground is is critical at every level. It's critical for uh, the underlying small businesses that accountants support. 
it's critical for the account and it's critical for us as vendors as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, never more so than today. I mean, if you'd have asked any you know accountancy business three years ago, will most of your team be remote working? It would have been a flat out no in my mind. It's the same for even for Iris as a business. I mean, you know, we're in the office today recording this podcast, but uh, a lot of our meetings and our uh, sessions with the team are, are done remotely via Teams, etc. You know, we've got much more flexibility uh, in our working practices than we've ever had before. And that's true for most accountants today. You know, not everyone is flooding back and working full time from the office like they used to do. Uh, and you know, one of the one of the challenges that, that accountants have, have continually told us they have is getting good quality staff and actually being able to to actively recruit people. Well, this gives an accountant the opportunity to recruit people anywhere across the country. Well, plus retaining them, right? Because the people are much more mobile when the when the uh, work is becoming more. Uh, more mobile in its in its access as well as in its execution. Yeah, but I feel I feel we would be remiss having already scaled the lofty heights of artificial intelligence if we did not at some point in a conversation about data talk about the metaverse. We're not afraid of jumping on a hype wagon along with everybody else. So metaverse, everyone's talking about it. Practically nobody is actually really doing it. But what does it mean for, for this kind of environment? So I, I happened to read an article the other day that an individual purchased, and I think it was for the princely sum of around $4,000, um, a pair of virtual sneakers in a virtual world. Where does the accountant fit into this equation? Because surely that's, uh, you know, we can talk about the metaverse and say, you know, look, you know, this is being driven predominantly by the gaming industry and very consumer-led. But at some point, there is going to be this, uh, this this expectation anyway of a hybrid world where, you know, we are existing in a virtual environment but having things actioned in the real world. And once purchasing becomes uh, becomes a bit more of a norm in a crypto virtual real world. Accountants are going to have to be involved, right? They're going to have to be able to support the businesses that are operating in those kind of hybrid environments. What do you think the metaverse means for accountants? I mean, that's a really difficult question to answer, I think. A grenade. Um, but, uh, I mean, one of the, you know, you, you talked about there about, you know, crypto transactions, for example, and that's really topical right now. Um, but actually, a lot of the tax rules around things like cryptocurrency and capital gains based on transactions through them, all of the tax rules are exactly the same, as far as I know at least, for those as they are for any other kind of asset. The challenge with it is the number of transactions that take place because it's, it's happening you know, every few seconds because of the ups and downs of the different valuations of the different currencies, they're being traded in and out backwards and forwards and so there are thousands and thousands of transactions so it's the, comp the computations and the rules and the legislation around them you know may be the same but the volume of data that you're having to process in order to understand what the, the level of tax may be on those transactions it, it's all about the volume of data and it's really difficult to process that number of transactions so anything that can automate that 
you know, and any blockchain that can sort of, you know, feed into that to, to get you to the answer, I think is going to become increasingly prevalent. Well, certainly, I think if anybody um, is trying to position software around crypto uh, transactions, they're essentially uh, building a blockchain analysis program at the end of the day. At least that's, that's the way it appears at the moment. I think, though, I have this, uh, I have this uh, uh, interesting question in my mind about, you know, can you ever imagine your, your accounting avatar meeting with your client avatar in a, in a genuine accounting discussion? Can you see that then? It's interesting, actually, because if you'd have asked me a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to imagine the bot, you know, so many accountant clients meetings taking place over Zoom or Teams, even. Whereas that's really prevalent today. You know, there are, you know, always used to be, you know, you'd go out on site and you'd do your audit. You know, your accountant, your client would drop something into the office probably maybe once or twice a year, but they'd certainly come in and you'd sit with them and have a face to face meeting. Um, in order to get accounts signed or get a tax return approved, uh, you'd either go out to the client or they would they would come to you. And of course, over the last few years, much much more of that has been has been digital. So, you know, I, I imagine whatever avatar that I could come up with would be much nicer to meet in person than I would. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So why why not? I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's like when you see your kids today. You know, and they're sort of interacting with all of their friends digitally with a headset in their room. They don't go out and play outside. So, if it's, and that's the generation that will be running accountancy practices in five, ten years' time. So, why not? I think it's quite interesting to imagine a world um, that's crossing over between uh, between the metaverse and the real world. But let's perhaps just summarise a bit of some of the points that we've discussed today on our data is the next battleground. We've talked a lot about the fact that data is in a position where it can be liberated now because it's pretty much made its way into the cloud. We've got lots of ways of taking that data in. Um, I think analysis of data in the accountancy industry is still in its very early stages. Um, we're just now really starting to get intelligent automation and intelligent analysis around that data. Um, and the fact that there is now um, a, a platform approach so that we can actually consolidate that data, get it into one place and start to apply all of these um, incredible technologies to it, uh, which at the end of the day uh, should give both the accountant and the small businesses that they're supporting some genuine insights into what they're doing, which is going definitely going to be uh, the next battleground for that market. Couldn't agree more. So yeah, it's been really fun talking about data and the and the world of accountancy today with you, Jonathan. So uh, if anyone out there wants to hear us talk about anything else, any other topics, whether they be uh, around software in the industry generally or more specifically about particular areas of accountancy, uh, it's been real fun. We should drop us a line, and we can we'd be happy to pontificate and and continue with the with the uh, stream of podcasts at your pleasure. Excellent. Well, that sounds a bit of a flashback to the to when I was a kid watching TV. Answers on a postcard, please. But thank you for listening, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and make sure you follow us on social media. And we will speak to you again soon.